Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Back with me, when you were a little child, when you were a kid growing up, maybe you were in a neighborhood, maybe you are out in the country, maybe you just got together with your friends and you just wanted to have a good time. I'm going to give you a little secret of, uh, of some of my past here. Please don't hold me accountable. I was young. I didn't know Jesus, but forgive me. Um, my buddy Dave and I, we would always spend some time together and uh, spend the night. One night he spent the night and, and we, uh, we were bored as most middle school boys were, you know, out in the country and we needed some excitement. And so I found a flare, you know, flares are fun. And so uh, we thought, what can we do with a flare? And then I got to thinking, well, we got lots of apples because in the front of our yard, um, down by the road, there were two big apple trees. And so um, I said, well, we got flares and we got apples. And I said, what can we do with those? So we came up with this plan that, uh, that we were going to take some apples and we put them in a bucket and we loaded them up and we just lined them across the road. And so we lined them across the road and then we lit the flare and just set it there. We thought, this is fun, right? What do middle school boys do at that age? So we did that. And as soon as we lined up one row uh, of, uh, of apples, we hurried and ran back to our side. And we had these lilac bushes. Mom and dad had lilac bushes. So we, we hurried and we ran behind those lilac bushes and, and we, we hunkered down and waiting for the car to, you know, the car to come by. And so the first car that comes by goes, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Like, really, they're like, what, what I run over? But uh, so we thought, well, well, we'll add another row. And so we added another row, and then we put the flare in the middle of that row. But it was still on the side of the row. We didn't put it in the middle of the road. And so we thought, oh, this is good. But there was a car coming, and so we had to hurry up. And so we hurried up, and then we ran back. And, and this time, that car, instead of going really, really fast, that car just slowed down. And it was an older woman. I have no idea who she is. God bless her heart. And she said this. She rolls down her window, and she's like, I see you boys there. <laughs> Man, we were trying to, like, be so still, like, Right? Like, it was silly. We were hiding, but we should have laid flat. There's so many different things we could have done, but that's beside the point. It's cool when you have your own kids because then you can start teaching them fun stuff, right? <clears throat> pray for Lisa. She still needs a lot of prayer. Um, and pray for our kids. They're scarred. But uh, I remember when, when, when we were little and the kids would climb into bed with you, you know, in the morning and they would be there and... And then they would just be like wrestling around. And all of a sudden, as a dad, you just like pretend that you were dead, right? You're like, like when they hit you and you're like, oh, you ever done that before? Somebody make me feel good. Would ever? Uh, okay, thank you. So you acted like you were dead, right? Like you're like, even though you're trying to not show them. I remember when I was, when Lene was really little and I was trying to keep my stomach from like moving. And I'm like, and I, so you hold your breath and finally you're like, oh. And then, and then you do that, and you're like, ah, and they're like, ah. So this fun activity that, that really you're not dead, but you're kind of acting dead. You're hiding in the shadows, but, but really you can be seen. 
the passage that I want to look at this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke. And so if you would um, turn with me there to Luke chapter 20, it'll also be up on the screen. But Luke chapter 20, Jesus is encountering um, a group of religious leaders of that time, and they're called the Sadducees. And I remember learning this song about the Sadducees uh, and why they're so sad, you see. They're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. And so that's why they're Sadducees, because you, you get it. Somebody laughed. Thank you. I didn't come up with the song. I just remember I couldn't sing it for you right now, but I, I remember that song, and it just stuck with me. We see here in this passage in Luke uh, 20, verses 27 through 38, and I just want to read it for you. It says, There came to him, to Jesus, some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, a man must take the widow and raise up offspring for, her bro for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and then died. Afterward, the woman also died. So here's the question they're going to ask Jesus. In the resurrection, therefore, which stop and pause for a second. Remember who the Sadducees are? They're Sadducee because they're, they do not believe in the resurrection. Yet they're, here they are asking a question about the resurrection. So they're trying to trap Jesus and to see if this is really real. And so here's the question. Um, in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as wife. Let's notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you've spoken well. So when we look at this, we see as Jesus is describing them for uh, and this, this definition of what's going to happen when the resurrection happens, if there is a resurrection, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus lays this out and says, wait, you, you're not understanding. And it gives us a glimpse of what's to come. All right. It gives us an understanding that there is more to life than what we see here on this earth. Some of you are struggling, some of you are wrestling, some of you are having a difficult time right now in your life. And I just want to tell you, there is hope because this isn't the end. There's more to come. And Jesus shares that with us. When he says this, he, Jesus references back, in order to answer this question, he references back to Exodus, which is one of the first five books of the Old Testament, which is the Pentateuch, which is the Jewish leaders of that time. That was their, their authority. That was their, their handbook. They went to class every day with that book in hand, all right, with those five books of the law. And so they would have understand as Jesus is pointing them back to Moses, 
Here's what Moses said. Now, what's cool is we see a reference here to Moses, but I'm sure as, as they were reading that reference in Exodus, they weren't connecting it like Jesus connects the dots. And let me just tell you, if you're not in the Word, let me encourage you to be in the Bible because only Jesus can connect the dots. And isn't it awesome when he does? So here's Jesus, and he says this. God describes himself as, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We see that not only in Exodus 3, verse 6, but we also see it in the book of Acts as Stephen, before he is stoned to death, he also, too, shares this. Who is God? He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is who the Lord is, the Lord creator. Jesus uses this passage in a unique way because of what he says with it. He says it, that God is not the God of what? Of the dead, but he is of the living. So think about this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they weren't around at that time, right? They had all died. So for the Sadducees to hear this, this was a whole brand new concept for them to think, wait a minute, what are you saying, Jesus? Jesus is saying, listen, there is a God who is not dead, and he is not God just to the dead people. He is an alive God, and he is a God of the living. So when he makes reference to the God of Abraham, Abraham isn't just in a tomb. Abraham is alive. He is a God of Jacob. Jacob isn't in, in, in just in some tomb encapsulated, and there his body lay. No, he's alive. The God of Isaac. These men weren't dead. Jesus was pointing and saying, listen, I want you to know these men are alive and God is alive. We see this throughout the scripture and over and over and over again. That God is desiring for us to have life. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15. God offers to us life because of what Jesus has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15 say this. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You have an opportunity today, if you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to be your Savior, to be your Lord, you have that opportunity today. To trust that Jesus died for you, but he didn't stay dead. He was buried, he was put in a tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And for those of us who place our faith and trust in Jesus, notice what Paul says here in this text. For one has died. I don't have to die. And in fact, we're going to look at, I'm considered alive. Jesus died. He took all of our sin upon himself. He took our place so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but that we would live for him. Because he died and was raised. Anybody ever died for you before? 
Anybody ever taken your place? Jesus died for you, for me, for all of us. He took our place. Paul says later in the book of Galatians, which is um, my favorite verse of the whole Bible. And it says this in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Meaning what? I have what? I have had to what? So if you are crucified, it means that you, help me out, you died. I'm not going to hang you on a cross today. I didn't hang on a cross. I didn't, well, sometimes Lisa puts me in my place. She doesn't kill me. Like, we've been put in our place at times, but I, I, I I want to encourage you. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Paul says this, we have been crucified with Christ It is no longer you and I who live, but Christ lives in us. There's something dramatic that takes place that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we are dying to the sin and to the self. And therefore, the life that we live, we're no longer living as dead people. We're not the walking dead. We're alive. Paul says, then the life I live now in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, pause there for a second. Any of you still sin today? Yeah, I know it's Easter, but yeah. Did I get a little aggravated this morning? Yeah. I won't tell you why. Megan agreed. (laughs) No big deal. But I didn't handle it right in my mind. Because we're all sinners. So it doesn't mean that we've ceased from sin. But here's, here's the beauty that scripture tells us. That if we die with Christ, I am no longer entangled and enshackled by sin. Sin has shackled us when we are born. It's a condition that each of us are born with in our heart. And when we're born with that sin, there's nothing that can free us from sin until we place our faith in Jesus. But when we do place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're set free from that. Sin no longer has power. It has no longer dominion over me. It cannot control me unless I allow it to. But if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, here I am. Sin has ceased. And Peter continues this. He says, and as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, as you and I live here, we're living in the flesh, but what? We no longer for human passions. We're not living for ourselves, but we live for what? For the will of God. See, the Sadducees, they denied that there was even a resurrection. But our passage tells us in verse 36 that those who have attained that age, meaning those who have placed their faith in Jesus, who at that age, when the age comes of the resurrection, for those who have attained that, they are what? They cannot die anymore. So while you may kill me in my flesh, I am not dead. I am alive. 
Why? Not because of anything that I've done. I'm not good enough. I don't, I surely don't have enough money to pay my way to heaven. I have nothing to offer to a perfect God because I'm a sinful man, but yet Jesus offers me life. He set me free from sin. And so now I am crucified with Christ because I died with him. He took all of my sin upon him, himself on his shoulders and in dying in my place, he was buried. He took the full punishment. The full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ for my sins. So that penalty, the punishment is paid for full and complete. And because of that, the life I now live, I live in Christ. And Jesus says it this way, those who have attained in this age, they cannot die anymore. They are equal to angels. This is a description of us as followers of Jesus Christ. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is written about you and me. About us, that we can't die anymore. We're equal to angels. We are the sons of God. We are sons of the resurrection. What resurrection? Of the resurrection of Jesus. We are sons of the living God. I did a little work on this. And, and the Greek word that talks about the sons of God and the sons of resurrection. That same word, sons of resurrection... It's the same word that we see in the gospel of John, John chapter three, verse 16. When John records for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. One and only son. That you and I, that we would be classified, that Jesus would classify you and me as sons. Sons of the resurrection, how could that be? Because of the living Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So I ask you this morning, are you alive or are you dead? Now, so far, right now, everybody seems to be alive in the flesh, which is good. I did have somebody die on me once. It's not a good thing. I mean, it's one thing if you fall asleep. It's another thing if you die while I'm preaching. All of you look alive in the flesh. All right? But I'm asking you, are you alive? Because God offers to you life. Alive means that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that you are one of his. You are a son, a daughter of the resurrection. Death means that you will face judgment. And that judgment will make you spend eternity in a real place called hell, separated from God. When the judgment comes for each one of us. The, the defining point will be whether or not you place your faith in Jesus as the one who gives you life or, the, or you're placing your faith and trust in something different. You have that choice. God offers to you that choice. He's already paid the price. It's whether or not you'll accept that gift. Whether or not you'll accept life or do you want to keep living life the way you want to live it. 
I will say this. Some of you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but you're still walking around acting like dead people. Stop it. Stop it. Do you live like somebody who's alive? Somebody that with the mindset of thinking, I'm going to get to live forever. Instead, we've made this earth our home. We want this, the pleasures and the delights of this world, which is it's okay. But don't make this your home. We get to live forever with Jesus. And it doesn't get worse. Some of you are like, well, let's go back to that marriage thing. You know, which one is going to be husband of that woman? And what about my wife? And what's that relationship going to look like in heaven? I will tell you, there is nothing more glorious that will be than for us to be in the presence of Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. And our marriage, as great as it may be, or how worse or horrible it may be, whatever your relationships look like, let me tell you, heaven is more glorious than anything that you could have here. So stop focusing as walking as like dead people. Stop trying to get things and hope and life and all these things. You're seeking something. You're seeking help. There is only one place that can give you the help, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's found in his word. And he will give you everything that you need. He's given us a helper, this Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And we get to walk with him. We get to talk with him. And so when you think of your life today, are you crucified with Christ? Therefore, you can say with surety and with confidence, it is not I who live today, but Christ who lives in me. Would you say that? Could you say that today confidently? And if you can't, let me tell you, today could be the day. Today could be the first day of all of eternity. You can say that. Jesus offers you life and if you've already trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you should walk around, not living for yourself, but you've been crucified to yourself. Put away your own desires. And let me tell you, there is nothing sweeter and nothing better than what Jesus offers to you. My buddy Dave and I, we pretended like we were hiding away. Nobody could see us. That lady proved us wrong. You may just be walking through this life thinking that you're going to get it by. And that one day, maybe you'll just barely squeak in the back door of heaven. Jesus sees it all. He knows you and he loves you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Don't minimize that death. Don't minimize the resurrection. He offers to us alive life with him forever. Make the most of the time we have here. You and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. We have this moment right where we're at. Let me encourage you, make the most of your time in the flesh. It's either you're alive or you're dead in the flesh. But make the most of your time. Don't pretend to be dead. Guys, is there anything that can solve your problems or your issues in life? Have you found anything in your life that can fulfill you and fill you up? 
as you try and as you search, I will help you and, and, and short circuit you so that you don't have to go through more pain and more suffering and more hardship. I want you to know this morning that the one thing that your heart yearns for more than anything else is a relationship with the living creator God who placed you here on this earth. He wants you to walk with him. He knows all about your life. He knows everything you've done. And he still, he still loves you. And he wants you to spend eternity with him forever. For those of us who have claimed Jesus Christ as our Savior, listen, let's walk around today like we're alive. Jesus has made us alive. We are sons of the resurrection. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the, the word of God. We come celebrating today because of what Jesus has done for us. We have resurrection joy. We celebrate as sons with the same nature. We were created in the image of you, Lord. The God who created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden is the same God who offered his son to die in our place. And so if you're sitting there this morning and you've not yet trusted Jesus, what I, I would encourage you right now, would you, would you bow before the eternal king who sees all and knows all? And would you just cry out to him and say, God, I don't know exactly how all this works, but, but your, your word, the Bible tells me, that Jesus died in my place. And so I'm going to trust that he died for me, that he took my disobedience and all my sin, and he paid the price. And so this morning, this morning, God, I ask you that you would come and be my God and be my Lord. Because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again three days later. And I want to live forever. Lord, thank you that there is nothing more glorious in all the world than a relationship with you. There are times that we get distracted. There are times that we, we miss what you're doing. And yet you are a gracious and merciful and patient God. Lord, help us as Christ followers, as we rejoice today, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we would live not unto ourselves, because that would mean death. But the life that we now live, we live in him who gave his life, Jesus Christ. May we live as people who are alive. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name.